Romans 3. We began Romans 3 a couple weeks ago, and I'm just going to read through those first 18 verses with you. In this chapter, we see light and we see dark. We mainly see dark at first. And it makes us scream out as Reagan just saying, how can it be? How can it be, God, that you would love us this much? When you see what we are, what we were, what we've become, you gave us everything, and we still turned our back on you in the garden. And because of that, you could have just said, enough is enough. But his great love came rushing to us in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And guys, we just can't, we can't talk about this enough. The, the, the one thing that, that's going to change such a crazy world. I mean, you look out there, and it's just, it's, just, it's just nuts. I was just talking to Leanne, and last night they had 13 gunshot victims come into Blythe. 13. And guys, we look around, and we look at all the things going on in our country, and we go, man, what? It, it's, it's hopeless. But I stand here this morning on the Word of God and tell you it is not hopeless. There is a man named Jesus Christ. And he can change your life. He can change your world. He can bring you something that you never thought possible. And not only does he bring it to you, but once you receive it, you can share that. And we can share that with our families and our friends and our co-workers. And we can share it with the world. Because what the world needs now is Jesus. And it's never changed. And it's not going to change. And we hold, we hold the cure You've heard me say this before. If I knew the cure to cancer and put it in my pocket and never shared it, I'd be a pretty worthless person. We own the cure to eternal life. We, we don't own it, but we know it. We have it. A lot of us have accepted it. And to sit on it and do nothing about it is probably the most disjust thing we can do in our whole life. And yet we do it day after day. Let's read Romans 3. Verse 1, and we talk about the darkness first. What advantage then is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Much in every way, first of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very word of God. What if some were unfaithful? Well, their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness. And we talked about, aren't we glad that our unfaithfulness doesn't nullify God's faithfulness? Aren't you glad that when you're not faithful, God stays faithful? Isn't that amazing? Mm. Not at all. Let God be true and every human be a liar as it is written so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly that we shall say that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us, I am using a human argument, Paul said. Here was the argument. If I'm bad and if I continue to be bad, doesn't that show how much greater God is? What a silly argument that is. You think God would send his only son to make us go deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, to go further and further and further away from him just so he could be glorified? No, he sent his only son so that we could come to him and be reunited with him and we could have a relationship with him like none other. It's amazing that a holy God would let us into the family, that he would adopt us into his family. All we have to do is cry out and believe in the one that died for our sins, Jesus Christ. And remember, guys, it's not our faith. It's not your faith that saves you. It's the faith, it's your, whose your faith is in. It's Jesus Christ. That's the one that saves. My faith is weak. My faith will come and go. But when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, 
He's the one that saves. He's the one that keeps us together. He's the one that keeps us in the family. He's the one that has adopted us into that family and made us a part of the holy heavenly family. That, that's amazing to me. How can it be that that would become our way? Think about that. It's amazing. Verse 6, certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? <laughs> that, that's blaming God that I'm lost. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that terrible? How can God judge me? Boy, do we hear that today in our world. How can God judge? God doesn't judge me. God, want, God wants me to be happy. God wants you to be happy, but he don't want you to be a sinner. He don't want you to relish in your sin. He don't want you to stay in your sin. He sent his only son so we could come out of our sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that each one of us sitting here that knows Christ as Savior this morning have the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome temptation, to overcome sin, and we don't have to stay in our sin? What a ridiculous argument. Paul's just going through all these arguments and just knocking them off one by one. He said, you just don't understand the power of God. You don't understand how much he loves you. You don't know how to understand what new life he wants to give you. You see, when, when we are made righteous, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he, he died for sin, all right? He died for the original sin. And so now we have an opportunity to become righteous in Christ. And it's not only that he forgives us and sets us over here and say, okay, do the best you can, but he also puts on Christ's righteousness on us. Think about that. He puts everything is right, which is perfect. God is perfect. Jesus Christ is perfect. And we don't only get justified, we don't only get saved, but he puts on the righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ robed on us. We become like Christ almost through, through this righteousness. Now, we're not going to be God, but we become righteous like Christ in Christ robed on us. I know that's so big it blows our mind. We don't even think about it that way. We just think we got saved. Good. Yeah, that's good. But God's, God is so much better than good, all right? That would have been great just to say you're saved. But now when he looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus Christ. Think about that. You can't get any better than that. You can't get any more perfect than that. But when he sees us, when we stand before him someday and we're saved and we stand there in heaven before God Almighty himself and he'll look at us and he'll see the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. How can it be that he would love us like that? Isn't that amazing this morning? You see, there is hope in this darkness. There is light coming. His name is Jesus. He's been here. Verse 8, why not say, as some scientists claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. What shall we conclude then? Verse 9, do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. Isn't that something? We're all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Remember what I said a couple weeks ago? Sometimes we think, well, God didn't have to reach down quite as far to get me as he did some of these other, other derelicts and some of these other messed up people. You know what? God had to reach the bottom of the bag to get me just like he did everybody else. Because I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm ugly. I'm dirty. He had to reach as far down to get me as he did anybody else. 
because you're totally lost or you're totally saved. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. Isn't that something to think about that? There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. Where would we be if God hadn't come looking for us through his son? Where would we be this morning? You talk about lost. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. This is talking about before Christ. This is talking about living in darkness. This is talking about before Jesus got a hold of us. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. You look around the world today, we have no idea what peace is. It's nowhere. It's nowhere to be found. Everywhere you go, no town is, is excluded. You always see that on the news when some tragic thing has happened in these towns, and they say, this is just not supposed to happen in our town. But you know what? Sin is everywhere. Satan is everywhere. But thank the Lord, God is everywhere too. God is everywhere too. Now, Satan, let me, let me clarify something real quick. Satan cannot be all places like God can. But between him and his demons, they are in a lot of places doing a lot of damage. Verse 19, here's where we'll start today. Now we start to get into the light. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Now, the first 18 verses, if you want to kind of get more clarification on that, I know I read over that really quick this morning, but two weeks ago we preached on those 18. You can pick up a disc from, from Jeff and you can get filled in there. But now as we go to 18 and we go to 19, we start to talk about sin and understanding sin and, and trying to figure out how we can become saved. And Paul's preaching that to this audience. And some are depending on the law to get them to heaven. They're depending on and being right or doing enough good things. And the writer said that's kind of like jumping out of a parachute with a bag of cement. It can't save you. It, cannot, it can do nothing. The law can do nothing. Only thing that the law does is it points out our sin. You know, the law, think of it like this. The law is a straight line, like right down here in the middle. The law is a straight line. Now, we all know we're crooked. Amen? We're crooked. From sin has made us crooked. And we don't know how crooked we are until we see the straight line. So the law shows us the straight line of how we are to be holy like God. Let me give you a definition of sin, just so you know. A sin is any thought, word, or deed, thought, word, or deed, that falls short of God's standard of holiness and perfection. Now, to me, when I read that definition, that gives sin a whole new light. Sometimes we kind of think of sin as, I just did wrong, or I messed up, or, or I said something wrong to somebody, or I thought, I thought something wrong, or, or I, I said something I shouldn't have said, or, or I stole something, or I, had, I committed adultery, or, or you know, all the Ten Commandments. You know, I coveted something. I want something somebody else has. We think of those as sin. But when we think about Something that falls short of God's standard and, and perfection and his holiness. We realize that we're, we're playing a losing game. 
We, we can't win this game without Jesus Christ. Because all of us have fall short of the glory of God. All of us are, are crooked. We, we can't walk that straight line. We're not going to do it. Think about this. This really opened my eyes. What we are is a lot worse than anything we've ever done. In the original garden sin, the Bible says because of one man, Adam, sin came up on all of us. And so from the very beginning, when you took your first breath, we were sin. We were sin. We think of the things that we do, that we mess up, that we call sins, plural, that that makes us bad. Let me read that one more time. What we are from being born, from Adam, what we are is a lot worse than anything we've ever done. Think about that. We tend to think where I mess up, where I don't keep the Ten Commandments, that's what made me a sinner. Guys, we were a sinner before we even, even did anything wrong in this world because we, we inherited it. We, we got it from Adam. We're crooked from the beginning. We, we don't know how to walk a straight line. We don't know how to do that. And that amazes me when I think about that. It's, Paul's quick to point out sin, S-I-N, versus sins, S-I-N-S. What me and you do every day, that's sins. But what's at the core of us is sin that we inherited when we were born. We, we've got it. You ever been sitting there and your mind just goes to something totally terrible? Something totally sinful? You didn't think about it? You didn't, you know, it just kind of popped in there and you go, where did that come from? That might only be me, I don't know. Where did that come from? It's because of our core. We're sinful to our core. You go, well, Brother Todd, we just love coming to church and you telling us how bad we are. We just love sitting here and hearing all that. But you know what, guys? When we realize how bad we are, we realize 10 million times how great God is and how much he loved us and how much we've got through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Oh. Whoo, hallelujah. Do we ever get excited anymore about God? Do we ever smile about being a Christian? Do we ever just thank him and, and just cry out to him, God, thank you for loving me like this. I don't deserve it. I'm just so excited. Guys, we didn't, we didn't deserve it. It's because of his great love. Amazing grace that we love to sing about. It's because of that. Sin is the rebellion of the creature against the creator. We are rebelling against the very thing that give us life. Think about that. Think about that. Man, I just started hanging my head as I read and I read, and then I got thinking, you know what, though? There's hope. There's light. The law, the law can't do it. It's got to be through Jesus Christ. Let's go to 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Everybody say amen right there. Amen. What did we just say? We can't do it. We can't walk the straight line. We're crooked. All right? You know, you can look into a mirror and it tells you you've got a dirty face, but it can't clean your face. Right? It can't clean your face. 
The law is our mirror. We look into the mirror of the law, and we realize these are the things that we should do, but we realize we don't do those things. So we need somebody to clean us up. And where do we go for that? To the blood of Jesus. He washes us white as snow. He washes us white as snow. Isn't that amazing? Man, that's cool. That's cool. Therefore, no one be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We become conscious of our sin. It's kind of like a thermometer takes your temperature, you know. When you put that thermometer in, you know you got a fever. But if you swallow the thermometer, it's not going to cure your fever. You've got to go beyond that. You've got to go find help somewhere. And that help is Jesus Christ. We know we're sinners. The Bible just told us we're sinners. There is no one righteous, not even one. Well, Brother Todd, I've known some pretty good people in my life. Not going to make it without Jesus. Without Jesus, they're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. You're not going to make it without Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight. By works of law, rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, I love that. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. Jesus Christ kind of stepped to the side, and he said, okay, the law is good, but I'm going to show you a way. There is a way that you can go straight, but it's through me. And that's why when people say, well, I can, I hope I'm going to be good enough to get to heaven. I hope I can do enough good things. I hope I can work hard enough. Guys, why, why would we want to try to do it in our sinful life, in our sinful body, when here is the perfect creator, the perfect God, son, the perfect salvation through Jesus Christ. He's already set it up for us. Why wouldn't we go through him? And the world gets mad. Well, that's just being narrow-minded that you've got to go through Jesus. I think you can just kind of pick a way. You tell me what other way you can pick that's going to get you to heaven from what we just read. Is God's word true? Amen. Is it true all the time? Amen. Does it show us the way to go? Amen. It just said there's no way you can be good enough to go to heaven. He said there's only one way you can be righteous. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And you know what my thoughts is on that. I think that's great to know there's just one way. Jesus could have said, now there's about 12 ways out here. You guys just figure out which way. And hopefully, when you get there to heaven, I hope you get the right on the right road, I'll be standing at their end waiting on you. I don't want to do that. I don't want to pick and choose which way. I want to know the right way. And Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's, that's easy. Don't you like simple? The world loves simple. We like to, Brother Todd, can you bring that down to our level? Man, I need it to bring down to my level. Jesus just brought it down to our level. There's one way. I like one way. If I give my girls two choices, they want three. We've been on vacation, guys, and I felt like Clark Griswold all week, you know. Everything we touched, it blew up, you know. Daddy... Can't we go do something else? I just paid 100 bucks for this ride. Finish this ride first, you know? And it, it, 
they, they like your money at Branson, I'm telling you. Just take a big, big checkbook when you go. But they, they weren't, you know, I tried, to, I tried to explain to them to be, to be grateful, to be thankful. And I could hear my daddy coming out and in me, you know. You know, we'd have been lucky to do that when we was your age. I bet I said that a hundred times this week, you know. We'd have been lucky to do and we would have been. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying, you know. But always more. Always, I want another way. I want another way, Daddy. I want something else. Ain't that the way we are? Amen. I want something else. God's not enough. Well, I want something else. And guys, I'm telling you, you can't get any better. You can't get any more than Jesus Christ can deliver and can offer. Because it's not a promise that he's going to do it. He's already done it. And it is a promise that we haven't seen heaven yet with our own eyes. But you know what? When I read in here, I just can see it, and I just know if you do what this Bible says, you're going to be in heaven with Jesus someday. I just believe he's going to keep his promise. I believe it. Isn't it something how we are? Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. Not in your faith, but in your faith in who? In Jesus Christ. It's not in your faith because our faith is weak. But it's who your faith is in. I can have faith in this music stand here. I have faith in that music stand. That music stand can't do anything for me. My faith can't do anything for me. But when I have faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all, he can do something for me. He can do something for me. And so we see that. We see that, guys. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We're all in the same boat. Here we go. Read it with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it doesn't stop there. We just flipped on the light switch. Here comes the light switch. The light's coming on. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Everybody say amen. Man, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we stopped right there, guys... Shut down the lights, lock the doors, and don't worry about coming back. But, and and, some of the translations say but. Mine says and. And are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He's done it all for us. Justified. There's six ways we're justified in the New Testament, or throughout the Bible. First of all, we're justified by grace. Justified makes it we're, we're just before God, okay? Right now, if you don't know Christ as Savior, you're not right with Christ. We, we say that a lot, you know, when people may be getting ready to die or something. I wonder if they're right with Christ. I wonder if they made their peace with Christ. We're, we're at war with Christ right now. If you're, if you're on this side of salvation, you hadn't been saved. You're at war with Christ. The Bible says you're, you're at war. He offers peace. He offers peace through his son. Not only peace is like we think about peace in war times, but also peace in your heart. And peace between you and the Father. Because when Adam sinned in the garden, when Eve sinned in the garden, there became a friction there, became a battle there. And there, we, there becomes separation. We couldn't get to the Father anymore because of sin. But through Jesus Christ, he paid the price and he, his blood covered and, and took away the sin of the world that would accept that that salvation so we're made just now when we give our heart to jesus we we say lord 
I believe what you did on the cross. I put my trust and faith in you and what you've done for me, and I want to follow you the rest of my days. We, we become just. We become right with God. Not on us, okay, but through Jesus. Y'all understand what I just said a while ago. Through Jesus, okay? So we're just by grace. We didn't deserve it. We become just by faith. We receive it in believing in Jesus, okay? We become just by the blood. There had to be a price paid for this. Isn't that amazing that we owed the price? We were the one that owed the price. We couldn't pay it because we didn't have enough money or enough goodness in us. Someone had to come that was perfect, and that was Jesus Christ. And he paid our price. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you love somebody to walk up and just say, here, I want to pay all your bills next month? <laughs> First of all, they'd pick me up out of the floor, you know. You know, they'd pick us up, you know, all of us. But somebody paid our price, okay? And it's way beyond that because I can afford to pay my bills next month. But it's beyond that. It's something I couldn't pay. And so Christ, so we're justified by the blood. He paid a price we couldn't pay. Somebody had to pay it. And the holy Lamb of God, mm, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. He came. Guys, get that this morning, okay? Come on in here with me just a minute. He paid our price. We are justified by the power. We're justified by power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about how much power you have in you through the Holy Spirit. Now, think about how much I and you use of that power, about, about that much. We have the same power in us through the Holy Spirit, not in me, but through the Holy Spirit, that we can do mighty things. But we, we do this. About that much power is all we ever use. I got saved. That's all I was wanting. I'm going to heaven. That's all I was wanting. Oh, he wants to give us so much more. Man. So we're justified by power. We're justified by God. He's the one that declares us just. That's what I said. Someday we're going to stand before him. And he's going to look at us, those that are saved. He's going to look at us and say, you're right, you're just. You are righteous, not because Todd Vincent was a great guy. Not because I preached at First Baptist Kaiser. Not because I'm, I'm a great husband, you know. No, you know. I'm not going to be right for any of that. Not because I told people about Jesus any. Not because I baptized people or did funerals for people. I'm not going to be judged on any of that. I'm going to be judged on the righteousness of Christ. Think about that. Isn't that great? That takes the pressure off. Here's what I do. I live for Jesus. He makes me righteous through him. And I got it made. Just live for Christ. But I want to do what I want to do. And I want to do, I want to sin and I want to do this and that. But we're, we still, guys, I still don't think we understand that little piece right there. I still have to grab a hold of myself every once in a while and say, you're not working your way to heaven. How many ever thought this? I let God down today. How many ever thought this? 
well, God, God's mad at me because I didn't do what I should have done. You ever thought about that in your life? I think we all have. You know what God sees when he sees us as Savior, as, as Christians? He sees Jesus. Now, as Paul's preached many times, you can hear the, the, the question coming, can't you? Well, why do we even have to try then? Because of the love that we should have for the man that gave his life and paid the price for us so that we can reflect him to the world so that more can have what we have and so that everyone would come to know Jesus as Savior. That's why. See, this is not just about us. This is about sharing the gospel with the world. It, it's, it's way more than that. And then the last one, we're justified by works. Whoa, wait a minute. But Todd, but Todd messed up there. He just told me, he's told me several times, you don't get to heaven by your works. But, but James says we're justified by our works. Why? Because they are evidence that we know Jesus and we have him as Savior. So, we're not getting to heaven by our works, but because we know about the love and the grace of Jesus and we know how wonderful that is, we should want to live for him, we should want to do good works for him, so that others may know him. And so when we do good works, it's evidence. Like in a court of law, you want to see evidence that they're guilty or not guilty. You have witnesses and everything. We become our own witness on how we work for Christ, and it shows evidence that God lives in us. Have you done something for the Lord lately? Are you doing what he's asked you to do, to go tell, to disciple, to grow in him? To tell others about him? See, that's evidence that you're really his. That's evidence that you're really his. We're justified by that. I'm just about finished. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those have faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, or is God the God of Jews only? He is not the God of the Gentiles. He is not the God of the Gentiles too, is a question. Yes, of the Gentiles too, he says. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. We uphold the law. We realize that straight line that we can't walk. We realize that that law shows us in the mirror that we need a Savior. We realize that there's only one way we can do that. It's through Jesus Christ. You see, some think, some think well, I'm, I'm closer than other guys. But you know, it'd be like us having, everybody meet down at the Mississippi River here at 2 o'clock, and we're going to have a jumping contest. All right? We're going to see who can jump across the Mississippi River. All right? Now, I guarantee you, 
some of these lightweight guys, they're going to jump further out in the Mississippi River than I am, okay? But guess what? They still didn't get across. They still didn't make it to the other side. There's people that think that I do more good works than my brother or my sister. There's people that think I do more good things for people than they do. But they do it apart. They do it away from the salvation of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When it comes time to go to heaven, they're going to land right in the water just like everybody else. And in this case, they're going to land right in the flames that everybody that, missed, that didn't accept Christ. So sometimes we think we're a little better. I can jump a little further than the next guy, but I still can't get to where I need to go without Jesus picking me up in his arms and carrying me across. It's the only way we're going to make it. We're not going to make it any other way. Coming short, coming the short of the perfection and holiness of Jesus Christ. Something, isn't it? Something. What will you do with Jesus this morning? Have you already accepted him as Savior? Is there evidence of that in your life? Are you still trying to do enough good things just in case? Have you not put your total trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Remember, it's not your faith. It's who your faith is in. If your faith is in this church, you're not going to make it. If your faith is in your Sunday school class, you're not going to make it. Both good things, but can't get you to heaven. Maybe put your faith in your membership. I've been a member here all my life, Brother Todd. That's great. Great place to be a member. I love being a member here. Not going to get you to heaven. Your faith must be in the right thing, in the right person. That person is Jesus Christ. That's where you need to have your faith. Anywhere else, you're landing right in the middle of the river. You're not going to make it to the other side. It must be through Jesus. Would you bow with me? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and you know that you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never trusted him to let him carry you across the river. You've never trusted him and put your faith in him. You've just tried to do enough good things and say enough good things to people and give enough money to charity. And you realize that's not going to make you straight because we're broken. And you've looked in the mirror this morning, you realize you're dirty. And you realize that mirror can't clean you up. But you've heard me say there is a man who can. His name is Jesus. Maybe today you'd want to put your faith and trust in him. Maybe you're sitting here as a Christian this morning, and you say, Brother Todd, I've looked over the past year, and I don't see any evidence of him in my life. I don't see the works that I are to be doing. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to put you on fire for him again. Listen, guys, we don't have to, we don't have to wait till September 13th to get on fire for God when revival comes. We can have revival today. Where are you? Where are you in your walk? Lord, just speak to hearts this morning, Lord. Thank you for speaking to mine. Thank you for these powerful words in your, in your, in your word, Lord. It, it's just amazing to me. I could just read it and read it and read it. It just amazes me. Lord, thank you for making me just. Thank you for making me righteous, not in myself, but through your son, Jesus. Lord, I put all my faith and trust and hope in you today because there is no other way.